Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Now, we started a sermon last week, and today is part two on our godless choices in God's sovereignty. Our godless choices in God's sovereignty. We hope to finish that one last week, but time constrained. So I was only able to preach to us the first point. So just a little bit of a recap, especially for those of you who were not here. Wala po kayo last week. Tinalakay po natin na yung ating pong self-centeredness. No, kung ang wala na pong mas mahalaga sa atin kung hindi yung ating mga sarili, eventually, we will make godless choices. Because ang pipiliin natin, to most times, is yung sarili po natin. Kung ano pong nakaka sa tingin natin ay advantageous sa atin, yan po yung basis ng ating mga decision. So think about those times that you disobeyed God. The root of it, the bottom of it, is that yourself has been more important to God at that particular time. Choice will always be myself or God. And in those times that we choose ourselves, then we disobey God. Let me just start by reading a few verses in Genesis chapter 26, and then we'll start our preaching today. So stand with me as I read to us at least Four verses because we have already touched basically Genesis 26 last week. Let me just read, sorry, 27 last week. Let me just read a few verses that would be crucial to our point this morning. Let me read Genesis 27, starting from verse 26 all the way to verse 29. Then we'll jump to verse 39 to 40. And then we'll jump to chapter 28, verses 1. To five. Genesis 27, verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let the people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, as far as Esau is concerned, this is what he got in verse 39. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, Away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Verse 1 of chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your father, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we take comfort that we are people, that though we are people, Lord, who, makes, who make godly choi- godless choices, we take confidence that you are in control even with our godless choices. And Lord, we 
pray that as we come to your word, we humbly ask for your wisdom. This is a truth that is not easily accepted, but I pray that your spirit, Lord, would work in our hearts and find it as our security instead of repelling from it. Lord, we entrust to you our study of your word. May your name be glorified. Amen. Amen. Take your seats. Again, we are now at point number two of our sermon, Our Godless Choices and God's Sovereignty. Have you ever tried to teach your child, make some drawings, and you put your hand on your child to guide him or her as he draws or she draws something? Have you ever tried that one? Like it is your son who's making the drawing, but at the same time, you can also say, I made the drawing because I guided my son's hand. Is this the picture between we are able to decide and God is also actively doing something to accomplish his purposes? Is God simply holding our hands when we try to Balance between we make choices, but God accomplishes his purposes. Now, let me submit to you that it is more than just that. Because when you look at a child, it's almost like it's the father who decides where the pen goes. But when we talk about our freedom to make choices and God's sovereignty, it's both. We can make choices, but God makes his own choices. How about that? You would tell me, how, how can that be? Don't ask me to explain it. We will just look at Scripture today and realize we can make choices, but God makes His own choices, but His choice is sovereign. So let's look at this one. So the first point that we had last week is that our godless choices will reap us sorrowful consequences. That's a scary thing. If everything is... Or everything lies on our own choices. That's a scary thing because we will make godless choices. So where do we find security as believers? This is what we'll be looking at today. Point number two is our hope. Point number two is our hope. God's sovereign purpose will not be thwarted by our godless choices. Okay, so it's part of the sermon where you feel like I'm so uncomfortable with that. But let me promise you that we will land the plane safely into the scripture and realize this is what the scripture really is teaching us. Without Genesis 25 and verse 33, we already read that in Genesis 25 verse 33, God said that one will be stronger than the other, the older will serve the younger. Now, without that passage, we could have easily concluded Genesis 27 to Genesis 28 that life is a result of man's choice or choices. We cannot exhaustively explain. No? Kailangan po nating ihambol yung ating sarili dito na my portion po will remain a mystery. Hindi po natin ma-explain. Pero ang alam lang po natin that they made their godless choices at yet at the end, yung prophecy ng Panginoon was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. How did this happen? Nandito po yung debates. Paano ba nangyari ito? This question, again, could not be exhaustively answered. But at the end, we can land to a very solid scriptural ground to stand on on this seemingly irreconcilable truths that we can make godless choices, and yet God, through those godless choices even, would accomplish His purposes. Two things to affirm as we start. That man decides, first man decides in accordance to his choices. To his desire. Man decides in accordance to his desires. I will not dwell so much on this one, but there are things to say. The second one is that God does not just determine the end, but is inexplainably involved in the process. So, 
Ang sinasabi po natin sa second sub-point po natin is that hindi lang po dinidetermine ng Panginoon yung end na hindi siya involved sa process. He is involved in all the process. Let's look at the first one. Man decides in accordance to his decides in accordance to his desire, isn't it? Kung nandito po kayo last week, nakita po natin na si Rebecca, si Isaac, si Esau, si Jacob, haven't you noticed yung lahat po ng kanilang decision were decisions they made because they desired for it. Decisions they made that because that's what they want at that particular time. Hindi po sila parang robot na kinokontrol ng Panginoon na parang gusto mong mag-say yes, pero parang may nag-control sa bibig mo na no yung lumabas sa answer sa bibig natin. No human being would say that one. Have you ever said? Or for example, when you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, in your heart, you really want to say no to Jesus, but somebody is controlling your mouth, that's why you said yes. Now, all of us decide in accordance to our desires. And that is what human freedom is. Ito po yung ibig sabihin ng free will. You can decide in accordance to your desires. So, what God did, He did not violate our human freedom when we came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What God did is to change our hearts. And upon changing our hearts, our desires were changed. And that we decide in accordance to our desires. That is what human freedom is. You can decide in accordance to your desires. God did not force you so that when you decide, you never really got to desire it, but you're forced by God. No, God worked at the seat of your emotions. God worked at where you make or your own heart so that out of the changing of the heart, the desires was changed, the understanding was changed, and now you decide in accordance to your new desires and new understanding. God did not violate, hindi po violate ng Panginoon, yung ating human freedom. So, having said that one, let me just give three things, and then it's really on our second sub-point with, where we will dwell much of our time. First, man cannot use the sovereignty of God as an excuse for his accountability for his own actions. So, dahil nagdi-decide tayo in accordance to our desire, hindi po natin pwedeng gamitin yung God's sovereignty para sabihin natin wala tayong accountability. No, may pananagutan po tayo dun sa actions natin because we decide in accordance to our own desires. Secondly, as believers, listen, we can take comfort at the fact that kahit nag-fail yung ating mga decisions and at nagkakasala tayo sa Panginoon, we can take heart, we can draw confidence in the fact that at the end, God will accomplish His purposes. But understand this, church, we are accountable to our decisions and every godless decision we make is dishonoring to God. So it is not pleasing to the Lord. And if you are a true believer, that is the most painful thing you could ever go through, that you disobeyed your Lord and Savior. The Bible is right when it says, you mourn for your sins. Saan po ba natin ginagamit yung word na mourning? Pag may namatay, di ba? And the Bible is right, the Lord is right to use that word when it comes to our sin. Because many times it is even more painful than losing a loved one when we sin against God. So we dishonor God with our godless choices. And thirdly, for those of us who are saying, anyway, I'm saved, anyway, God is sovereign, and I use it as a license to sin, the question is the reality of your relationship with God. No believer thinks that way. Wala pong believer na ang kanya pong pag-iisip is because sovereign naman ang Panginoon, then I will just do whatever I want. It's a scary thing if that's how we think. So we decide in accordance to our own desires. Now let's look at the second sub-point today. God does not just determine the end, 
but is unexplainably involved in the process. No, involved po siya sa process. How did that happen? That God was able to accomplish His purposes. And I want to show you how God, that His purposes was accomplished. The blessing fell upon Jacob. And not only that one, that anti-blessing fell upon Esau. Remember that God said that, that the older will serve the younger. So the prophecy is not just for the younger Jacob who will get the blessing. The prophecy also tells us that the older will get the anti-blessing, so to speak. Not only that one, Genesis 24, we already saw na ito pong si Isaac ay hinanapan po ng asawa in Padan Aram. It is displayed that a godly person, the next, yung covenant bearer po, ay hindi po siya mag-aasawa ng kinainite. And then we find here, though this was done through the deception of Rebekah again, but we also see that Jacob went to Padan Aram to get a wife. How did it happen that God was able to accomplish His purposes when everyone made their godless choices? Is the question that should be rightly, not exhaustively, but rightly answered. That's our hope today. We can rightly answer this question. Now, we don't agree with those people na sinasabi na ang Panginoon ay, or tayo ay malaya tayong makapag-decide at uh, ang Panginoon ay hands-off and in His sovereignty ay yung end na lang yung, yung ano ng Panginoon, no? yung, yung parang hindi siya, wala siyang pakialam sa proseso. Ang pakialam lang ng Diyos ay kung ano yung end. We don't believe in that. What we can affirm is that God has a hand in every detail without impinging or violating yung ating human free will. Dahil nakakapag-decide pa rin po tayo in our own desires. So understand what human free will is so that He determines the end. So the way He determines the end is to be involved in the process. Are you getting me? Later on, we will realize this is security. I'm not going to teach this just simply because this is a theological truth. I decided to bring us through this detail because I believe at the end, we will find security that God is not just waiting to the end for me, like swim and thing. I'll wait for you at the end. But as I was swimming, God was with him. That's why he determines that I will go to the end. That is security. Would you want God to, to tell you, just go through with your problems? You'll be alone there, but don't worry. I determined the end. Would you want that? You don't want that. Again, without Genesis 25 verse 3, we could have looked at it that way. But what we see in this story is however bad the choices of men, all of these were going towards the fulfillment of His promises. For sure, the characters dito po sa Genesis 27 were not minding God at all. They were not minding God at all. You've seen that one. No one prayed. In Genesis 25, two people prayed. Isaac prayed. Rebecca prayed. But in this story, no one prayed. No one called to God. They were all focusing on themselves. Yet Moses, let me propose this, Moses did not fail to tell us that God was there. Moses did not fail to tell us that God was in the story. What I'll do is to show one passage, the culminating passage of the book of Genesis, and then gagamitin natin yun to see that God is there. Turn with me to Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. This is Joseph talking when their dad already died and the brothers were afraid that Joseph will get even with them. But Joseph said, told them, 
you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. What I want you to notice there is the word meant. Notice carefully that the word meant was applied to the brothers and to God. That's a theology there of Moses. The brothers meant it for evil, but in the same way that the brothers meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Were the brothers active in thinking and devising for evil? Were they? You know the process? They were active in thinking and devising for evil. Now the word meant there is applied to God, which means it cannot be that the brothers were active in thinking and devising for evil, that when it is applied to God, it suddenly becomes passive. You get me? When the brothers was acting or active in determining the evil, God was also active in determining the good. Both were active actions. Again, with this truth, we learn that the brothers really decided according to the evil in their hearts, and God was also working to even use their evil actions to provide salvation for Israel. We then understand, as we go back to the story of Joseph, we then understand in the story of Joseph that when Reuben, for example, remember they wanted to kill Joseph, but Reuben came into the picture and said, let's not kill our brother, let's just throw him into the well. And when they were in the well, if you remember, Judah, the other brother, said, what would we get if our brother will just die in the well? Let's just sell him to the merchants. We then understand that while they decide on their own, we also know that it was God who worked in there, isn't it? With this, our eyes are opened to how God was behind the scene when Isaac, have you ever felt this one? You were at your, that with him being suspicious, that at the end, he gave the blessing to Jacob. Could anyone answer me? Do you really think God was not behind? Here's another thing in the story. Rebecca heard the words of Isaac in Genesis 27 verse 5. When Isaac told Jacob that I will give you now my blessing, Rebecca heard it. And it led to the devising, it eventually the giving of the blessing to Jacob. Later on, when Esau was so hungry because the blessing fell on his brother Jacob, in Genesis 27 verse 42, we are told that again, Rebekah learned of this plan of Esau to kill his brother. Was it a coincidence? Do you believe in coincidence? It cannot be. Because if Rebekah did not hear Isaac telling Jacob, then the blessing will be given to Esau. If Rebekah did not hear about the plan to kill the brother, then Esau could have killed Jacob. I would submit that Moses is a way of telling us that the people in the character were not thinking of God, but God was there. In one of our I already said this here, but tell me if this is not God. So we were driving down to Manila via Cannon Road years back. And then I saw this van. Sobrang kulit. Gusto nyo talagang mag, mag uh, overtake kahit napakalit ng daan at paikot-ikot. And so in my heart, I was actually sinning. I was like, kulit naman nito. Until eventually, he overtook me. And so there was this, parang mga marshals, na nagbibilang ilang sasakyan yung padadaanin because one way lang po siya at the time. And then, so the van overtook us, and it was the last vehicle that can pass. Because after that one, it's the other, you know, way, it's their turn to pass. So we were stopped. 
And then we suddenly see that there was like a fog. Suddenly parang nag-fog bigla. We feel like, ang init, bigla na lang nag-fog. And then we are told, so we were waiting there for around 10 to 15 minutes before we were telling like, what's wrong? Wala namang umakyat, ayaw din kami pa-derechohen. Then we are told that, sir, you could no longer pass. You have to go back to Baguio. We said, why? There was a landslide. And then yung van na nag-overtake sa amin, sila po yung na, na, natamaan ng boulders. One died and most of them were injured. Now, think of this. Do you really think God was not there? Can we really say, Swerte talaga natin? Can you remove the hand of God into that situation? It means to say, as we look at this story, we may not see tangibly that God was working, but we know that in God's sovereignty, you do not have to see Him tangibly to say that He is working. The only thing we know that God is working there because everything or all His purposes were accomplished. God's sovereignty cannot be thwarted by our godless choices. Now, we're talking about without. Now, let me bring you to a deeper truth, and we might be uncomfortable with this. Is God just working without and not within? Or is God just working with our circumstances and not with the heart? Think of it for a moment. Jesus' godless choice worked against him, but it worked for God's purposes on the other hand. Again, let me submit that God is not just working without in our circumstances. God is working within, in our hearts. Now, it's not here, but I'll take this chance because it's not every time that we can talk about this truth. So let me chance to talk about this truth. Let me bring you to the book of Exodus and make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I realize this sermon today is short, but it's fine. I want us to see two things here. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, but on the other hand, Pharaoh hardened his heart. So which is it? Did God harden his heart or Pharaoh harden his heart? Let me bring you to passages of scripture. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Exodus 4 verse 21. It reads, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your hand. Look at what God said. But I will harden, will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Look at Exodus 7 verse 3 on that and many more other passages. But let me read a couple of passages more. Exodus 10 verse 20, it says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the people of Israel go. Remember this time that God would do an amazing thing. Pharaoh was sorry. And then he would say, okay, I will let you go. But when everything are gone already, he will not let them go. And we're told here again, Exodus 10.27. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And look at Exodus chapter 11 verse 10. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord who hardened his heart? And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? The Lord. Are you comfortable with it? The Lord hardens somebody's heart. If you feel uncomfortable, it's fine. As I've said, I'll safely 
land us into a very solid scriptural ground. But on the other hand, we saw several verses as well in the Exodus story that says like this. Let me just read one. Exodus 8.15. And you can look at Exodus 8.32 if you like, but let me read Exodus 8 and verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart. Active. He hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. And look at Exodus 8 and verse 32. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. How are we going to reconcile this? God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh hardened his heart. How are we going to reconcile these truths? Go with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. Romans 1 verse 24, it reads, Therefore, God gave them up, circle that word, gave them up, in the last of their hearts to impurity, To impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Romans chapter 1 verse 26. It also reads, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passion. God gave them up to dishonorable passion. And Romans chapter 1 verse 28. It says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Look at this. In our sinfulness, sinfulness, you can look at this as inclined towards evil. So let me illustrate this one. If I'm inclined towards this one, what will happen to me? If I, I lose my balance, and then I'm going this direction. i sorry. What would happen to me? Would I fall on the other side or would I fall on this side? Come on. I'll fall on this side because I'm inclined to the ear, right? So inclined is you're no longer balanced. You're not in control anymore. If you're inclined, you're no longer in control. You're supposed to go all the way down. What happened is the restraining grace of God, although we are inclining towards sin, people are inclined towards sin because that is their sinfulness, what happened is that God in His restraining grace holds us still. And it's the reason why today the world is not as chaotic as it should be. The world should be more difficult, problematic, sin-filled world if not of the sustaining grace of God. But look at what happened here. God, in God's wrath, God's present wrath is working because people are so debased in their mind. People are so inclined to sin. What this text is saying, God gave them over. You really want to have relationship with same sex? Go ahead. You see, man is active in pursuing sin, but God is active in limiting. Are you getting me? When you are out of balance, because you are inclined towards this direction already, and somebody will catch you, it's active. You get me? But if that person will say, you're so heavy, let me let you go, you'll fall all the way down. So both man in his sinfulness is active, but God is also active. Whether he would stop man or let go of man. In this work of restraining grace of God, he limits or let man exercise his sinfulness, but whether he limits or let man exercise his sinfulness, God decides because in accordance to the fulfillment of his plan. Do you see that? Then we then realize that we making our godless choices and the world making 
their godless choices, and God's sovereignty to accomplish His purposes, even through those godless choices, is not irreconcilable. They go together. I hope I landed us into a very safe ground in Scripture and realized that's, that's true. Man is both, man is active and God is active as well. Man exercises sinfulness, but God is active in regulating. And he regulates in accordance to his perfect wisdom on how it will land, land into his will. In that process, man is accountable for his actions, but at the same time, God accomplishes his purposes. So then, church, here's our theological stand between God's sovereignty and man's freedom. God does not just determine the end. He does not just determine the end. He is actively working on the details to accomplish his purposes. And again, the illustration that theologians made on this point has always been a man rowing in a storm. Is God just at the end and say, don't worry, you're alone there, but I'll assure you, you'll come here. Or God is in the boat, actively working to determine his purposes. I don't know with you, but I find security to know that God is actively working. He is. So God's sovereign purpose will not be thwarted by our godless choices. It will not be thwarted by our godless choices. I attended a Bible study way back for selfish reasons. I decide to attend the Bible study for the reason that I want to be closest to my boss, so in whatever way he would, but I hope he would remember me and endorse me to be the next district manager. That I decided not because I want it, I decide for selfish reasons. But now I understand that God gave me, he could have kept me from doing that one, he is God. But he gave me to my sinfulness at that particular time. Just go. Decide in accordance to your selfish reason. And make me that decision out of wrong motive. But at the end, it brings me to that Bible study where I heard the gospel. And it worked in my heart and believed in Jesus. This is what it means. God's sovereign purpose. He will not violate human freedom. People can make their choices. But he is so powerful that he is in control not just without, but even within. So that at the end, while it's really like real to us, all of us make God-less choices. But still God accomplishes his purposes. And this is security, as I've said. God involving in all the process is security for us. Now look at this. Let me give you another illustration. God is in control of every little detail of this world. He is. The Bible says, no hair strand that will fall onto the ground with, apart from the Father's will. It just shows that even the little detail is controlled by God. That's the kind of God He is. If you want, God is a micromanager. Now, he's not like just the macro. He is a micromanager. He micromanages everything. Isn't that security? When you study science, when we study science, we realize that everything in this world is placed with accuracy. The distance between the sun and us is with accuracy because anything any closer or any farther would be bad for us. 
Everything is determined with perfect accuracy. What if God would say, everything is done, I'm no longer in control, just let nature work by itself. That is a scary thing. The reason why we're still here is because God is in control even of the smallest thing. And that is security for us. I can live with all confidence because I know that my God is not in control of some or few or most of the things. I am in security because my God is in control of everything. He is. Here are implications for us. First, it is an encouragement to know that God is involved with the details of life. For if we are left with our choices, alone with our choices, we could have made more evil choices. Isn't it? As believers, sometimes we could not believe that we made such sinful choice. We struggle. Why did I do that? We could not believe that we lied. But the truth of the matter is this. If God is not active in restraining or even directing our hearts as believers through His Holy Spirit, we could have been worse. You could have been worse. How many times have we said when we give our our praise report, it could have been worse. But somehow we were still preserved. When we say that one, when we say that one, once one told me that he, he is a pastor and he said we were left in one room and, and there was something going on and he said if, if it was not of God's intervention, I could have done worse. Then when we say that one, to whom do we ascribe the preservation? To ourselves? No, we have given in to our temptations. We were like paper blown by the wind. And the wind is already carrying us. Have you ever tried that one where you are like a, a paper already blown by the wind and you do not have control anymore? It's your sinfulness that is controlling you. And why didn't it result to the worst? Was it simply because of you? Or because God limits and preserves us. We know it was God. So we are grateful and thankful for God's control because we could have made more sinful choices if not of His work. Second, it is an encouragement that while we surely make godless choices, it does not determine the end but could even be used by God for the good He intends for us. Now, even our godless choice, God is so sovereign that He can use those godless choices for our own growth. Romans 8.28 is the towering passage for this. Romans 8.28-29, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's the good, in order that he might be the firstborn among many sons. I think the two most important words to note in verse 28, so that we can feel the weight of the verse, is the words, all things. All things. If it is some things, we could think, well, God will work for my growth the good things I've done. When I decided to pray, when I decided to help, when I decided to trust Him, surely God can use this so that He will conform me to the image of His Son. But, but what Paul said here is not some things nor few things or more things or most things. He said all things. All things. Does it mean my problems? Does it mean my failures? Does it mean my sins are included? What does all things mean? All things. 
all things. This is the weight of the text. What blows our mind is that God says, Paul said, all things, all things, name whatever it is, your failure, your success, your obedience and your disobedience, your even your sins, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Because he used all things for our confirmation to Jesus Christ. And Paul's, Paul Tripp's book, How Could or How People Change, again, we understand that God uses circumstance to reveal our sinfulness. And as we see our sinfulness, we are humbled to see that we are not as good as we think it is. As we see how worse we are, the more we put our trust in Jesus. And the more we put our trust in Jesus, we will find ourselves not in unbelief, but in disbelief. Disbelief meaning, hindi yung hindi naniniwala, iba yung hindi naniniwala, iba yung hindi makakapaniwala. Now we are in awe of how God loved us despite of us. And that sense of gratitude and humility and sense of awe, God uses it to fuel us to obey God, to obey Him more. So this is not to say, because God works all things for your good, then just go on sinning. This is not to say that. Again, we already said earlier, if that's how you think, it only shows that you're not a Christian in the first place. That's why Paul was able to say in the same chapter, in Romans 8.37, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because we believers, as we go through difficult problems, we don't just survive. We go through difficult problems, even failures and sin, but we come out as gold. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So it is an encouraging encouragement that while we surely make godless choices, it does not determine the end, but God could even use, could even be used by God for the good that He intends for us. And lastly, this control of God secured the coming of the Redeemer. It secured our redemption when Jesus came. And it will assure us of our complete redemption when Jesus returns. Listen, God's redemption cannot be thwarted. God's redemption cannot be thwarted. No one can stop it. It is our security. Sometimes when you pray in the morning, you find your, I find myself coming to God and say, Lord, my heart is just not resting in you. It's not resting in Him. I am waiting, Lord, let my heart rest in you. And in those times, I can sense how sinful I am. In those times, times I can feel how other things are really more important to me than God. And it is on those times that I worry and I realize if God won't hold my heart, I will be somewhere else. But the truth of the matter is this. God is in perfect control of all things. We can feel that way at some point. It's okay. It's okay. How many times have you felt that way? How many times? A million times. What is the chance that in those million times that you feel that way, that you will still be here today? That you did not give in and just completely run to the world? In yourself? Zero. You should have been there. But why are you here today? It tells you that in those million times, God was also there to rescue you. Because He is a God who controls all things. So that his redemption that he promised will never be thwarted. Jesus will return one day and none of the elect will be lost. We will all be there. God will renew us and we will be with him forever. I rejoice in the sovereignty of God instead of questioning it. 
because I have no other security but in that sovereignty of God. So as we close, again, we should feel secure that our godless choices will only reap bad consequences but can never thwart the purposes of God. I've read a poem on the sovereignty of God. And in that poem, he was thinking about people questioning the sovereignty of God. At the last part of this poem, here's what he wrote. He said, So my friend, if you are a believer, then know that from God, we are just of mercy a receiver. God loves himself. And he has full right. For besides Father, Son, and Spirit, there is no perfect being in sight. And listen to his admonition. So let us not blasphemously of godly equality speak. Let us not speak like we are equal of God. But give him that deserving worship he has taught us to seek. His point is that the right response to the sovereignty of God is worship and not questions. I pray that all of us find security in the sovereignty of God, which works not only outside, but even inside. Let's come before God. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your sovereignty. Your sovereignty explains why we're saved, why we're preserved, why we're still here, and why we can be confident to finish the race. May your name be glorified, Lord, and we continue to trust in your sovereignty in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.